the lesson for the festival of St. Timothy, pastor and confessor from Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 6. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. This is our text. First, it is often observed that the Acts of the Apostles should better be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. To be sure, the apostles were a key part of the evangelistic witness and expansion of the early church. Peter, then Paul, were empowered by the Spirit in word and in deed. And indeed, the word of the Lord grew. And so Paul came to Lystra, to Derbe, and then to Lystra, where he met Timothy. So little is actually said in Acts 16. One wonders where the personal story is. We'd like to know how this Timothy ended up being Paul's faithful and trusted co-worker, almost a right-hand man, a spiritual son. But in the end, that's really not the point. It's not really about Timothy any more than it's about us. It's the act of the Holy Spirit. It's about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear friends in Christ. Secondly, it's often observed that it is through sonship that the church moves forward in time as much as in space. Uh, To be sure, sonship is about the salvation is about the sonship of Christ and our adoption as sons. But it's interesting that the closest word in biblical vocabulary to our concept of history, of moving forward in time, is the Hebrew word toledoth, generations, from the verb to bear a child. It's about sons and daughters, the next generation, It's about family, of God's people, of spiritual leadership, of bringing forth the next generation. And thirdly, it is true on a human level, but with such spiritual significance, that there is great joy in seeing your children grow up. Not only biological children, but also the next generation of spiritual sons and daughters in the faith, pastors, 
missionaries, deaconesses, leaders, PKs, prophets' kids, pastors' kids, as Paul to the younger Timothy. And then to know that that next generation, too, will raise up the next generation and the next generation, and so the church moves forward. The confession carried forward in the hearts and the lips and the lives of the next generation in time as well as in space. And so Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, Paul says, appointing me to his service. And so you, Timothy, be faithful. Hold to right teaching. Deal with those who teach falsely. Don't give in to controversies. Don't get caught up in them. Remember the two realms of God's authority, chapter 2. Pray for kings and all in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. This is good and pleases God who wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The saying is trustworthy that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. That's what we are about what God's truth is all about, the message of salvation for all. And so he goes on. Men, women, know your station, who you are, whose you are in the order of creation. But here's a trustworthy saying, chapter 3, if anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble task, a good work, Yes, work. (laughs) A good work. And then on to our text in chapter 6. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Good work. Good fight. Good confession. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. What is the good confession? Made before many witnesses. It's not a matter of private confession and interpretation. The word, both by definition and even etymology, has to do with what is said with others, what is held in common together with those around us. Some think the good confession is in reference to that which was made at Timothy's baptism. Others perhaps think it has to do with his ordination, call and ordination, uh, installation and celebration in our terms. Both can make sense here in the text and by application speak in general to all of us by virtue of our baptism and in specific to pastoral candidates, and this is a pastoral epistle, 
as we consider the command of God which we seek to keep without spot or blemish until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. But how quickly Paul moves from the human relationships, even of sonship, to that on which they are grounded. Coram hominibus flows from our confession, Coram Deo. In the sight of many witnesses, parallels in the text, in the sight of God. And the good confession of Timothy speaks of Christ, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. Oh, it's easier to preach to the choir than to confess before kings and emperors and not be ashamed or even be put to death. But this is at the heart of it, isn't it? Our baptism, our pastoral service, our good confession. It's not about me. It's about us. It's not even about us. It's about Jesus. It wasn't long and pretentious, that good confession. It was straight to the point, and it led straight to his death. Are you the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. You say so, Jesus replied. According to John, Jesus elaborated about his true kingdom, not of this world. Imagine a king, not like the nations. The sons of David finally got it right. You will have a king not like the nations. David's son now has come as David's Lord. A king who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Hmm, that was a pretty good confession. And it is given in the midst of his holy passion. It's almost a quiet aside behind the scenes with one who understood the ways and the means of the kings of this world and even questioned what is truth. Kings, kingdoms, truth. Pilate declares him to be innocent and then hands him over to the crowd <laughs> to be crucified. And so the innocent king of the Jews, son of David, son of God, gives his life for the good confession. And so do we, if not in death, though maybe in death, then at least in life, in service, in confession. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ his only Son, our Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, innocent, holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, even as he is risen from the dead." lives and reigns to all eternity. 
or back to Paul's words, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time, God the blessed and only ruler, King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be the honor and might forever. Amen. This is most certainly true. And so the kingdom of God moves forward in space, and in time, from generation to generation. Sons and daughters who will grow up and raise up sons and daughters. And even this day, as gathered guests fed in the chapel of St. Timothy and St. Titus might be so empowered by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to give the good confession. In the name of Jesus, amen.